0: Welcome, everyone, to the fourth episode of The Apprenticeship Toolbox. This is a podcast where we're going to explore the themes of our weekend messages, seeking to answer the questions of apprenticeship, of how does this help us to be with Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to do what Jesus does. This week, Graham and I are unpacking uh, his sermon on uh, working out what God is working on in you. Close? Was yeah. that it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Give or take? Give or take. It's or good. Take. All yeah, right, I like it. So I've got Graham here. So Graham, happy Canada Day week. Hey, happy Canada Day. Hey, Matt. Hey, yeah. take off, you Real loser. Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing for Canada Day? Well, I'll probably look at a Canadian flag that'll be planted in my front yard by wonderful volunteers through our town.
1: Yeah, we have, uh, I think, uh, 13 groups of people going out. From our church family? From our church family. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Joining in with a bunch of other volunteers from around town to make it happen. So hopefully we can give our residents a little bit of a Canada Day celebration, even though we can't do what we normally do.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe I'll be able to intersperse an applause track here and we can hear it for our wonderful volunteers. So thanks if you're listening for helping out with that. So, Graham, a uh, quick candidate question. Uh, can you list to me your maybe top one or two, up to five Canadian artists, musical artists, of course? Well,
1: uh, there's only one Canadian artist that I love. No, I, I love lots, but Neil Young was the one that came to mind uh, yeah. from my generation. And, uh, you know, I don't know how relevant he still is, but hey, uh, back he, in the day, he was Homegrown just came out finally
0: last week. Okay,
1: well, I haven't listened to it yet, so I'll have to jump on Spotify and take a listen this week. Maybe
0: on Canada Day. Yeah, that's a good idea.
1: And I also I also enjoy uh, Bruce Coburn. Um he's just a
0: stellar artist, I think. Yeah, I was listening to his Stealing Fire album this weekend, which oh man, starts with Lovers in the Dangerous Time mm-hmm. and one Side of my favorite. if I had a grenade launcher. Mm. Oh man. Oh yeah. It's a great album. And then uh yeah, so Bruce Coburn, Neil Young, anybody else in Those are are my top two. Top top two, awesome. Well, Neil Young was going to make my side, but now that you've said them, I'll I'll move on to, uh, there's this really great artist out of Hamilton named Scott Orr, whose stuff I really love. Um, He's been doing indie music for about 15 years or so, and uh, just is really, he's got this wonderful song um, that is one of the best explorations I've found of spiritual formation. It's called In the Belly of the Whale, and he talks about this line of, why do you love a heart that's slow beating? I've got a heart that's slow beating, but I was born for hallelujahs. And uh, just this idea of understanding the space of sin that you're in, but knowing you were made for better. And uh, that song just really gets me. And then uh, I got a couple local buddies, too, who, who I always like listening to, uh, Brock Tyler and Nathan Carroll, mm. who, who do fantastic uh, independent music as well. And so they usually make the candidate list, and then Sloan out of Halifax is mm. always a great list. Oh,
1: one more for me. Again, for my era, the band.
0: Oh, the band, of course. How can I forget
1: them? I
0: mean, Uh, shout out
1: to Carson Mills. Yeah. It's his favorite band, the band. The band.
0: Well, good for Carson. I always figured it'd be Steely Dan, but. Well, I think there's a close tie there. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's some great Canada Day music to listen to. Uh, What's your favorite Canadian city? Uh, outside of Spruce Grove, of
1: course. Well, yeah, the city of Spruce, Vegas is number one in my heart. But um, really, Montreal, I fell in love with Montreal last year. I went there for a wedding, and mm-hmm. uh, it was a dynamite city. I mean, Vancouver is, is awesome as well. And then good old Edmonton um, in the summer is a wonderful place to be, even though people wouldn't normally think of it. But the festivals, the River Valley.
0: The the sunny until 11? No, can't beat that either. Can't beat it. No. Yeah, I I really enjoy Quebec as well. Old old town Quebec City. Have you been there before? I haven't been that there. That is it's the closest you'll get to Europe this side of uh, the Atlantic. Mm. And uh loved it there. Uh I've always got a soft spot in my heart for Hamilton. Uh that's where we moved from when we came out this way and just on the it's on the Niagara Escarpment and so you've mm. got this five hundred thousand person city close to Toronto with fruit and uh, waterfalls everywhere it's got the most waterfalls per capita in all of canada so. i think
1: it has the most tim hortons per capita too uh, don't remind me of that one but
0: which leads me to what's your favorite uh, canadian restaurant or canadian food
1: um my f- th- there are really only three canadian foods right the beaver oh, tail the tim bit and the poutine of course the poutine yeah yeah so, so poutine has uh, got to be the top of my list again in montreal last year i tried some poutine um, I don't usually eat it, but I tried some, and uh, it had um, a smoked brisket on it, and oh, it was nice. just dynamite. I know it's not classic poutine, but it was just dynamite.
0: Wow, I'm not a big fan of the classic poutine. I had a, a really great Southwest poutine once, and it was it was worth writing home about. But.
1: Have you ever tried a poutine Timbit?
0: No, have you? No. It sounds like the first part of poutine. Might be
1: something you'd want to try.
0: No. I'll just stick with the, the plain original or glazed Timbit that is tops. For All me. right, we're going to get down to business here or what? Yeah, I think we should. So, uh, <laughs> this past week we finished off Philippians chapter 2, Graham. And uh, there's one thing that you said in, in your sermon that really uh, struck a chord with me, and it's this idea of congruence. So, uh, do you want to talk to me a bit more about what it means to have a hmm. life of congr- congruence with heaven? Well, let, let's discuss it. I
1: think, um, like, Dallas Willard and N.T. Wright um, are two. Authors who really opened my eyes to—they're on my Mount Rushmore. Yeah, those two guys. They—they're—they're they're stellar, and and I think that they are. there are a couple of couple of authors that really uh, opened my eyes to this. And thinking in terms of, um, you know, we, we, when we think about heaven, we typically think about this far off place that we go to when we die, but. Mm-hmm. Um, as they point out, um, you know, looking at the historical context, N.T. Wright is really, really good at that. Yeah, he sure is. And looking, you know, just looking at the biblical reality, that that, that was um, uh, n- never the intent. It, it really is, doesn't refer to this far-off place that you go to when you die, mm-hmm. but it really refers to, uh, to God's realm. Yeah, his space. Know, right? His space, right. So God's realm being his rule in heaven and then... Um, and then then earth and mm-hmm. so the kingdom of heaven coming to earth is god really bringing his rule together with earth and mm-hmm. in in um i think it's nt Wright who points out that really that that heaven and earth are this interlocking space that heaven mm-hmm. is overlapping earth so when we pray your kingdom come your will be d- done we're praying that it would come in in its in it in its
0: fullest sense into yeah earth. yeah i've heard him talk about the idea that that when we pray that we're asking Jesus a rule to fully come here and right it, he, he asked this brilliant question in a talk I heard him give once, which was uh, this really missional question of, how would my community change if Jesus was truly king over it? That if heaven came in its fullness here, what, what wouldn't be able to survive anymore because heaven would transform it? Mm,
1: right. And, and, you know, thinking in terms of looking forward then to that day um, uh, that scripture speaks of with the when all things will be culminated at the return of Christ. It really is... Um, um, the New Jerusalem coming down from heaven to earth. Um, that's that's the picture that's presented to us. And mm-hmm. so it's it's not uh, as in a sense heaven is not somewhere that you go to after you die. It really is God's space yeah. coming out coming into our space, invading our space so to speak. And so and then and and so when you think in terms of uh, surrendering yourself to Christ, it really is the invasion of God's space into our lives. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Mm-hmm. we're praying first and foremost for ourselves right we typically think of the world and the injustices that are happening in the world and you know we long for a world of peace and a a, a world um, where there's no more suffering and no more mourning but really what we're praying for is that the kingdom of heaven
0: would come and invade our space and that mm-hmm. we would come under the lordship of jesus yeah that we'd be transformed inside out right so. right yeah i heard uh uh, Dallas Willard, well, Dallas Willard passed in 2013, but he co authored a book with a guy named Gary Black Jr. And uh, really, it's Gary's um, musings after Dallas died. He was caregiving for Dallas, and um, he, he write, wrote this book with him based on their conversations. And he, he talks about this idea of the cosmic car wash that we have this understanding culturally that, you know, when you die, it's like you go through the cosmic car wash. All the sin is cleared off of you and you just made you're made perfectly perfect after that. Mm. And uh, well, of course, when when we're in heaven, there's no stain of sin anymore. Sin has been, sin has been washed away. Uh, just as you talked about in in your message, uh, transformation never is instant. Mm. It's not this microwave transformation. So Dallas just posed this question to him: of what if after death is still space to grow? Mm. What if we after dying, still have space for Jesus to transform us. That while we're we're perfect, we're no long, we're not complete yet, and so we still have this process of becoming more and more complete, becoming more and more congruent with mm. the values of king of the kingdom of heaven. Which I don't know what I think about it. It's yeah. a really compelling. Well, it's idea. An,
1: it's an interesting thought too, because if you think of how we're wired as human beings, um, and I think God has wired us this way. I don't think this is part of the sin condition. Um, we are wired to grow. We are wired to continue to grow and expand that's part of um how we're wired as human beings and to you know just to sit and and do nothing to think that here i am i've reached a state of perfection i have nothing more to do nothing more to accomplish well i couldn't think of anything more boring than that that's just what i was thinking that's the word that's coming to mind boring right yeah and so if you think of heaven as a place of continued growth and continued expansion uh, into the the likeness into the image of god and who got into our full potential as um, human beings. Um, it makes sense then, doesn't
0: it? Yeah, it's like the the last battle in the Chronicles of Narnia, this idea of going further up and further in, that there's always something more to experience as you experience heaven. Mm. Cool. So so how do we live a life of congruence with heaven today?
1: Well, I mean, you know, we touched on it, I think, in, this, in the message where Paul writes, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to will and to obey. So mm-hmm. God working in us by his spirit continues to enables us to continue to live in congruence with, um, with his, with his plans, with his purposes, with, with heaven. So as, as you say, with incongruence, um, I think it really takes cooperation with God's spirit Mm -hmm. for that to happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, all, all transformation, well, I guess you can have spiritual transformation that moves you more towards darkness, but any spiritual transformation that really moves you towards light comes out of that first step of apprenticeship or the first, uh, focus of apprenticeship that of being with jesus Hmm. that all true transformation doesn't start with us willing something to happen doesn't start with us trying to do something out of productivity but instead starts with just abiding in christ Hmm.
1: right absolutely yeah and that you know thinking in terms of of christ's likeness matt um Mm -hmm. uh, how how do we become like jesus um you know, when you think about living in congruence with heaven, it really is growing in Christ's likeness and becoming like our Lord. Yeah. And uh, that, that, is, that is what it is. It, Jesus, um, Jesus was completely in tune with the Father and lived on earth, but lived in um, complete alignment um, and complete congruence with mm-hmm. heaven. And uh, so our growth in Christ's likeness is um, our ability to live in congruence with heaven. And God, the good news is that God is working in us to will and to obey. Mm -hmm. Um, Thinking about this text from Romans chapter 8. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who welcome him, in whom he dwells, even though... You still experience all the limitations of sin. You yourself experience life on God's terms. I love the way he says that. Mm -hmm. And it stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, as, as he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With this spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. Love the way Eugene Peterson frames stuff in the message.
0: Totally, right? Yeah, so then this life of congruence, which begins uh, out of obedience, well, sorry, begins with being present to Jesus and with Jesus, then moves into obedience, which leads me to uh, 1 John 3, also out of the message, but we read this. As we keep his commands, we live deeply and surely in him, and he lives in us. And this is how we experience his deep and abiding presence in us by the spirit that he gave us. That as we, we make our efforts to practice being with Jesus and to do what Jesus does, the spirit actually transforms us, hmm. which is is really powerful that that same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is alive in us. Is what I think we sang, I don't know if it was this week or last week, but that's so true that all transformation comes through the work of the Spirit. Hmm. Now we've talked about this a few times. we talked about it in the Ascended Life series, and we've talked about it this past week as well, that it's the power of the Spirit that transforms us.
1: Hmm. And what, do you, what, you, what is he moving um, us into? What is he, what is he moving toward? You know, we, we can say Christ-likeness, but let's, let's talk about some of the um, examples of what that might look like.
0: Um, like, like by that, do you mean people that it looks like or thi- or characteristics of what that looks like? Yeah, both. Okay. Well, first of all, with characteristics of what it looks like, I mean, the best place to turn to would be Galatians 5, with the fruit of the Spirit. That The, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are all marks of Christ, mm. and they're what the Spirit does in us, because mm. it's, it's not the fruit of me trying harder to be like Jesus. Instead, it's the fruit of the Spirit the Spirit grows this in me mm. and shapes me to be like Jesus, that the more that I'm with the Spirit and open and available to Him, the more that I'm growing as somebody who's patient and kind and faithful and gentle. And really, I'm just looking more like Jesus,
1: mm.
0: which is something that's so encouraging because, I mean, you look at Jesus' example and it feels unattainable. It feels like like Danielle mentioned in our sermon, man, we really are a hot mess, aren't we? Mm. You know, or she said that story in the comment, comment sections on our, our online service about message this week, right? Like we're a, on our own. We, we are a hot mess, but luckily the spirit's with us, partnering with us to, to right. shape us, to be like Jesus. So well, who's, that, who's somebody, oh, sorry. Well, I,
1: I, you know, just to tie into that, I, I, I know that I need to be rescued from myself. Totally. Um, I, I would, I, I, I'm self-destructive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, that's the reality because of this sin thing that lives in me. Um, I don't just need to be rescued from the world. And I think that a lot of times we think in terms of being rescued from this world, um, being rescued from injustice, being rescued from, you know, the, the bad stuff that's out there. Mm-hmm. But I need rescuing from me. And um, that's that's what Paul is talking about here, that the Spirit of God works in you to will and to obey. He's rescuing you. Uh, Jesus has done that work of rescue, and then he pours his Spirit into our lives so that we can continue to cooperate with his rescue mission
0: in our lives exactly it's like like we talked about again in the ascended life series the battle against the world the flesh and the devil and we often focus so much on the world and to your point and then also on the devil but we forget about that flesh piece that that we are so in desperate need of jesus to transform us from the power of sin
1: Mm -hmm. completely i was also thinking about the uh the passage in First John that you and I had batted around as well. Mm-hmm. Here's how we can be sure that we know God in the right way. Keep his commandments. If someone claims I know him well but doesn't keep his commandments, he's obviously a liar. That's <laughs> straightforward. Yeah. His, his life doesn't match up to his words, but the one who keeps God's word is the person in whom we see God's mature love. This is the only way to be sure we're in God. Anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of
0: life Jesus lived. Yeah. Wow. That, that should be a, a very sobering thing to mm. read. You know? And if you're wondering what that looks like, I mean, the best place to go would be Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon mm. on the Mount, and this life of the kingdom that Jesus teaches. And then <laughs> you see in the rest of the Gospels, just lives out continuously. A life of forgiveness, and he tells us to love our enemies. And then he displays that as he's being crucified, saying, Father, forgive them what mm. they do. You know, they don't understand.
1: I also think, Matt, the, the other part of this is that we are we're being transformed into the likeness of Christ. And when you think of Jesus, he, he comes as a servant, right? And mm-hmm. so oftentimes we think that we're being transformed in the likeness of Christ to transform the world around us, which is true. Mm-hmm. But we oftentimes think in terms of worldly power. And so we think in terms of ourselves or at the church being at the center of the world, the neighborhood, the Mm -hmm. space that we're in and imposing now our Christian worldview on -hmm. the world around us. And so we use worldly power to accomplish something spiritual. And I think that we go, you know, we go, we go wrong there. And I think the early church and Paul make, make it very clear that um, that the church is supposed to do it almost from the margins being Mm -hmm. vulnerable Suffering the way Jesus suffered, being misunderstood the way Jesus was misunderstood, misjudged, um, but but always humble and obedient and praying, and rejoicing as we hold out the word of life for mm-hmm. people to. This this is the gospel. We are we are not um, people who lead from a position of power, imposing our worldview, our values, mm-hmm. on others in a in a powerful way, but really as a servant. Mm-hmm. You know humble suffering, holding out the word of life, so when we think of being transformed into the image of life and we think or of Christ and we think of you know the kingdom of God coming to earth, I think there's a there's a misunderstanding where people think now that I'm being formed into the image of Christ as a Christian, I need to go into all the public spheres, and i need to I need to impose Christ on other people, mm-hmm. but I don't think that that's what that's what it means to partner with the work of Christ in this world Jesus is is uh, still
0: a suffering servant, in mm-hmm. a sense, in this world. Serving the world, calling the world by love. And calling us to do the same, right? Yeah. Like he says in, in Mark 10, uh, You know those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you uh, first must be the servant. Whoever wants to be first must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for mm-hmm. many. And so... We have the same marching orders. We yeah. we need to transform through love, not through power. Yeah, yeah. I then, think you're right on point there. Then
1: you will shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life.
0: Yeah. No. No grumbling and complaining right. here. That's not how we're going to get things changed.
1: How do we How do we show that we're different
0: mm-hmm. by serving one another? Yeah, Unifying life, love, and life. Right. Yeah. So Graham, one of the other uh, provocative statements I think you said in in your message was, uh, any spiritual formation that happens out of a narcissistic perspective isn't uh, true spiritual formation towards Jesus, but it's only for the sake of others. Where do you get that from?
1: Well, uh, that's that's a great question. Where do I get that from? I I think um, it it is a biblical perspective uh, when you think of the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. All of those are for the sake of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the fruit of the spirit. It's not for myself. Um, I like honestly. I don't. If I don't. If it's not about being in community and living out my life in community, I don't need more patience. Um, yeah. Oh, well, good point. <laughs> it, it is about other people. Um, mm-hmm. And so, in terms of um, spiritual formation, I, in fact, I'm being turned inside out from a self-focused human being into uh, a God-focused, others-focused human being. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 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 whole point of spiritual formation is to take us from a place of self focus, self centeredness, with self at the center, and and move us to a place of uh, of Christ centeredness, God centeredness, and and the ability then out of that relationship to love other people.
0: Yeah, totally. So, it's like what the greatest commandment, right? Love God and, uh, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Exactly. Right? Like, so sorry, I, I cut you off with that.
1: Sorry. No, I, so we live in a culture where everything is about us, and um, you know, I, I oftentimes, you know, hear and I've I've heard it in myself as well. Like you know, that that service didn't really do it for me. You know, mm-hmm. we make church about ourselves. We, everything becomes about us rather than about how we're being formed into the likeness of Jesus for the sake of others. And so I think, I think there really has to be a. Um, a reframing of what spiritual growth is all about—that it's not just for ourselves—and you know, we we hear messages about about inner peace and about <laughs> uh, becoming this this person who is being transformed. And we all, uh, the world wants transformation.
0: Totally, yeah. We we know innate our uh, brokenness, right?
1: But if it's just for me, it's narcissistic.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I I want to become
1: um, like Christ, so that I can. Um, Bless
0: those around me. Yeah, right. It's like going back to Genesis and the calling of Abraham. You'll huh. be blessed to be a blessing. Exactly. Right. And we often can get stuck in our own blessing and miss the second part, which is just to bless others, or hmm. even to go back to the garden and the original calling of Adam and Eve. It was they were there to care and to 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 serve the creation. Hmm. That intrinsic to humanity has always been: you're here to bless. And yet, we get that mixed up so often, right? And think it, we're here to be blessed, you right?
1: Know? And at, at the same time, I think um, you know a lot of people do have a desire to bless other people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think that's where the gospel is so powerful. We we want to go about it the wrong way, I think, but the gospel is so powerful because it does rescue us from ourselves, so that we could become a source of blessing to other people. And, and like all of us have an impact on people. Mm-hmm. Not all of us are aware of our impact on other people.
0: No, and and often we think we're having a better impact than we potentially actually are.
1: Right, yeah, so we're we're not aware of how our presence impacts. What happens when we walk into a room? Mm -hmm. How do people feel? What do they think? How do our moods impact people? Uh, How do our reflexive uh, actions impact people around us? Uh, All of us bring something positively into a room and uh, all of us have the potential to impact people negatively in a room. So, you know, how do you, how do you impact your team? How do, you, how do you impact your marriage? How do you impact the church that you're part of? What, what, what are the ways that you impact positively? How could you impact negatively? Can, can you be harsh? Can you be over controlling or domineering? Can, can you be negative and suck the air out of the room? I think we underestimate ourselves if we don't think that we have an impact on people.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we we typically only think about that positive impact we could make. Mm -hmm. We miss out that most of the time we're probably making a different kind of impact.
1: Yeah, and as as a leader, I I mean, I'm aware of this and continuing to grow. It's been a lifelong journey for me, Mm -hmm. but a lifelong journey of understanding um, my gifts and my abilities and learning to leverage those gifts and abilities for a long time. Um, I underestimated the impact that I could have in a positive way, Mm -hmm. but I also underestimated the impact I could have in a, in a negative way. I know that, um, I can be, um, overbearing when I'm under a lot of stress, right? Mm -hmm. I'm the kind of person that just wants to make decisions and get them done. And sometimes I'll become overbearing. And, um, it's something that I need to bring under the Lordship of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I'm aware of that. Um, I don't always get it right. Um, but I need to, I'm aware of it, and I need to continue to bring that under the Lordship of Jesus.
0: So let me ask you a question. Uh, not all of us are that self-aware. How do, we, how do we get out of our own heads to start thinking about the impact we could have on someone else?
1: Well, one of, one of my mentors, Paul Magnus, would say self-awareness is one of the greatest gifts that you can receive. Hmm. So when you become enlightened about your impact, um, you can actually begin to grow as a leader. But most of us don't know. Um, I have found out by asking, mm-hmm. "What impact does this have on you?" Uh, Wendy's really good at telling me about my impact. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even on our team, um, I, you know, I've met with people on our team, and I've said, "You know, what do I, what do I, what do I do that I need to continue? What am I doing that I need to continue to do? Uh, what am I doing that I need to stop doing because mm-hmm. it's not impact?" It's not positive. And, uh, you know, I, they, they provide me with some, some feedback, and I find that very enlightening. Yeah. And so those are some of the questions that I've only even begun to ask recently, um, because um, I think maybe in my younger years, when I was a little bit more insecure, I, I didn't want to, you know, I, I knew there might be a, an answer. I, mean, I, I knew that there might be something negative, um, but I didn't necessarily want to hear it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was
0: going to say, it'd take a lot of courage and boldness to
1: ask some of those it does, questions it? and humility yeah. too. It yeah. does It does take that. But it, I think that it's, it's really, really important. If we want to grow as people, those are some of the questions, those feedback questions that we have to ask those around us. And we don't ask everybody. We ask people that we trust. And uh, we ask people who we know will tell us the truth. Hmm. Yeah. And then pray about it and bring it to the Lord and examine our hearts and ask God for, for the truth. The Holy Spirit wants to lead us into truth. He wants to lead us into Christ-likeness. And if those statements are true, the Holy Spirit will confirm them. And and people, you know, we, we tend to make excuses. We tend to justify our our negative impact. Um, you know, we say things like, um, well, I'm just wired that way. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I know that I'm a bit of a, a hothead. I know that I'm uh, melancholy and... Uh, when I walk into a room, you know everyone else uh, can feel that mm-hmm. uh, from me um, and and that 's just how I am. They just have to accept me um, and and uh, that 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 's a little bit of an excuse because then we don 't welcome change in our lives. Um, we don't allow the Holy Spirit to bring uh, transformation to us if we make those kinds of excuses
0: yeah I mean it 's really this obsession of the tolerance that we have or the outplaying of the tolerance that that our culture just loves is, you know, you have to accept me how I am. They, yeah. I am the way I am, I was born this way, or my experiences, my family of origin have, have created me this way. And we end up using that as a crutch to yeah. lean back on instead of as, um, as an opportunity to see, well, that, that could be a, a point of growth for me instead.
1: Right, yeah, it's the nature and nurture mm-hmm. uh, argument that this is the way that I've been created or this is the way that I'm wired. And so therefore, I'm just going to behave this way, or this is the environment I grew up, and I grew up in an angry family, and this is the way we dealt with conflict, so that's how I'm going to deal with conflict now. Mm-hmm. Too bad if it you know, blows every relationship up, or if it hurts people, or shuts them down. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to do it. And uh, th- that is, um, again, justifying action based on... Um, the environment we were raised in and I think that's the beauty of being rescued by Jesus because he doesn't tolerate those excuses the holy Spirit does not t- he will he will pursue us until we're transformed mm-hmm.
0: yeah he will and and what happens when we rely too much on on those those excuses is that we don't give the spirit space we're not open to seeing his transformation happen mm-hmm. there and there's this part in ephesians uh, ephesians 428. Where uh, Paul writes that if somebody has uh, a problem with stealing, like he, he, then they should work with their hands, and he's going. We all have these bent and brokenness in bent towards brokenness in us, and somebody who has uh, the desire to steal has this proclivity to use their hands for, for sin, and so let's redeploy those hands to bring blessing instead. Hmm. And it's this idea that I want to. If I want transformation, I'm going to actually have to to put the work into it and be open and available for it.
1: The other thing that I talked about in the message, Matt, was, um, you know, the joy being the serious business of heaven mm-hmm. and the fact that coming under the Lordship of Jesus and becoming like Jesus actually is uh, is something that produces joy and multiplies joy really until we get to heaven because heaven will be uh, ultimately joyful. And if we believe... If, you know, if we truly believe that that day is joyful, that when heaven comes to earth, that it will be a day of celebration. Scriptures talk about that, right? Mm -hmm. There's a big party that's going to happen when that finally happens. If we truly believe that that will happen on that day, will it not produce joy today in my life as as I come into the Lordship of Jesus?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, it would have to, right? Like if if you think everything's working towards that end and that, falling under the Lordship of Jesus is something that, that produces even the fruit of joy, then why wouldn't you want to live in that joy right. today, right?
1: And what do you th- what do you see in Jesus? Do you see him as this, this dour
0: person wandering around the the desert? Well, I mean, you, you do see him wandering around the desert and not eating for 40 days at one point. Uh, so. Good point, good point. <laughs> so he might uh, be a little cranky at that point. But but no, of course not. I mean, Jesus, Jesus was a, uh, accused of being a glutton and a drunkard and hanging out with the wrong crowd. Jesus, we see even uh, if our translations don't numb it up too much, tell jokes mm. and, and be just a little bit ridiculous. You know, I think of uh, this, the the example Jesus talks about of pulling the speck out of, or the plank out of your own eye before you take the speck out of somebody else's eye. That you'd have this two by four in your own eye and you're sitting there trying to, to move it out of the way just a little bit so you can get a little piece of dust out of your friend's eye. Like, I feel like that'd be a funny moment. Mm. I don't know about you, but...
1: Absolutely, and the disciples are always mystified. And I can't, you know, I can just imagine that Jesus is chuckling because mm-hmm. because they're just not getting him at times. He puts something out there and they just don't get it. And, and you know, Jesus is filled with joy when the disciples go out and they are able to, you know, cast out demons and preach and, and teach. And, mm-hmm. and
0: uh, it says Jesus is full of joy in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and then the kids want to hang out with him. Yeah. Kids typically don't want to hang out with somebody who's grumpy and annoyed because... They get the hint and they go away. Yeah. But they just kept on wanting to get, him, get to him, and his, his grumpy and annoyed disciples are trying to get them away. Yeah. And uh, you know, it, I think it really it challenges this picture we have of, of what a, a fully formed spiritual person looks like. We have this cultural understanding uh, of like the mystic or the sage up on the mountain or hmm. the, the one who takes the vow of silence for their whole life and is just dour and serious. But if a fully formed spiritual person looks like Jesus, they look like joy. Mm. And so I think one of the things we need to challenge ourselves with is what's your picture of Jesus? Mm. Because I don't think a lot of the movies that we've made about Jesus really help. He's got his his Maybelline hair and his sash, and he's walking just a little bit above the dirt. And he's always so stoic. Mm. But it's not the Jesus I read in the scriptures. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, I and mean, when I think of the church, you know, um, I, I love the church uh, experiencing joy. I love laughter in the church i i love um you know teasing and enjoying being together uh some churches you walk into and there's not a smile on anybody's face nobody's laughing you can't tell a joke um and and yet that's not the jesus that we that we see that we witness mm-hmm. in the gospels he is uh he's filled with joy and and i want to become that way
0: Me too yeah um, how I did want we become that, that, way. that mark yeah, yeah so. So yeah, let's, let's keep stepping into joy, my friends. And so uh, we, we try to give you a different tool for your toolbox every week. And uh, last week we, we gave an example of this, but again this week uh, I think it's a good place to continue to step into, and it's, it's the prayer of examine. And what this, this prayer is is asking the Holy Spirit to partner with you, to give him space to speak in your life, to reflect on your day, your week, your month, uh, whatever portion you want to give him and so uh, what I'd like to do is just give you a little bit of a, a framework to go in there. And so uh, the way when I do examine, I like to start is just to give um, some space to be still before God, because it's really hard to listen when I'm coming in from the noise and rush of the day. And so just ask the Spirit to be with you. Uh, maybe take some deep breaths to focus yourself. Uh, maybe have a prayer that, that you go to, you know, even just do uh, the 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 Jesus prayer, it's called the have mercy on me, Lord. And then uh, from there, uh, for the exam this week would be, how do my actions reflect your heart, Jesus? How do my actions look like yours? And so ask the Spirit to go with you in, in your day and to, to highlight those moments where, where your actions were congruent with the kingdom. And then after you've done that, ask the opposite question of how are my actions the opposite of yours, or how are my actions distant from yours today? How, are my li- how is my life congruent with earth and not heaven today? And once the Spirit's highlighted those moments with you, just take time to, to confess those, to keep short accounts with the Spirit, and then to ask him to restore you and give you strength for tomorrow. Because the beauty is we always have a new day with Jesus. There's always forgiveness, there's always grace and mercy and compassion. And so that's the the tool we'd invite you to do for your toolbox this week. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us this week for the Apprenticeship Toolbox. And as we wrap up, uh, we want to do a different segment here and there um, where you can ask questions. Maybe there's stuff in the sermon that that you're really wanting to dig in deeper and know more about. Or um, maybe you've been trying uh, some of these tools for your toolbox and you, you have some questions about how to engage with them deeper. We'd encourage you to email questions in. Uh, to Matt at SPAConline.com. And uh, from there, we'll, we'll take them as, as they come in and we'll address them when when the opportunity presents itself. So.
1: And would you also subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, whatever uh, channel you're, you're listening to this on? Uh, that would be great. We would love to track with you and resource you every week. And if you uh, could share it with a friend, um, particularly those who are part of our SPAC network, but uh, any, anyone beyond that who might benefit from this,
0: uh, it, that would be great we would appreciate it thanks for taking time out of your day uh, to be with us to uh, to engage in this conversation and so we just want to bless you as you go um, would you be growing as apprentices of Jesus being with him becoming like him and doing what he does so have a great week grace and peace mm-hmm.